Chapter 11 of Stories of the Wars of the Jews by Charlotte Maria Tucker. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Read by Cliff Stone of Sydney, Australia. Chapter 11 Strife Between the Asmonean Princes. The Diadem, Matricide and Fratricide, Horrors at Bethony, Reign of a Woman, Contest between Brothers, Jerusalem Twice Taken by the Romans. Hitherto the history of the house of the Asmoneans has been a record of the brave deeds of noble men. But from this point it becomes little but a dark catalogue of crimes. We feel in entering upon it like a traveller who, after threading a majestic mountain pass, which looks only the more sublime from the contrast of strong lights and shadows thrown over it by passing clouds, comes on a waste and howling desert and quickens his pace instinctively that he may the sooner reach a fairer, brighter scene beyond. The noble sons of Mattathias seemed to have shown no rivalry or emulation. Each was ready to do his duty where the Lord had assigned his post. And though three brothers ruled in succession, the firstborn of them was content to be the last to rise to power. Far otherwise was it with Aristobulus, the son of John Hyrcanus. Ambition was the idol that he worshipped. Not content with the authority, he must also assume the title of king. He was the first of the race of Asmoneus who put a diadem upon his head. He caused the assassination of one of his brothers, whom he suspected of aspiring to the throne, and cast three others into prison. Plunging into a yet more fearful depth of crime, on finding that his own mother, by virtue of the will of Hyrcanus, claimed a right to the sovereignty of Judea, Aristobulus overpowered her, threw her into confinement, and suffered her there to perish of hunger. The reign of this monster was but grief. Grievous remorse embittered and probably shortened his life. He died in a state of extreme anguish of mind, having reigned over Judea for but one year, 105 BC. As soon as Aristobulus was dead, his queen restored his three imprisoned brothers to freedom, the eldest of whom, Alexander Janaeus, ascended the vacant throne. But the warning given by the miserable death of Aristobulus did not deter Alexander from following in his steps and dyeing his hand in the blood of a brother, nor did his barbarous cruelty end here. King Alexander, entering into the temple to officiate as high priest in the Feast of Tabernacles, was rudely insulted by the people to whom he was personally odious. Disregarding the sanctity of the place, or the solemnity of the occasion, the mob pelted the royal pontiff with citrons, called him slave and other opprobrious names, and wound up his fury to such a pitch that he fell on the crowds with his soldiery, and six thousand lives were sacrificed to the revenge of the insulted king. This was the commencement of a civil war, in which fifty thousand persons are said to have perished. The concluding and most horrible event of the war was Alexander's triumph over the town of Bethony. Eight hundred of its unfortunate defenders were carried by the king to Jerusalem and there crucified by his command. Their wives and children were killed before their eyes as they hung in their dying torments, while the tyrant and his wives sat feasting and enjoying the horrors of the scene. This most unworthy king of Judea died in camp of a Cortan Ague, 79 BC. 
Alexandra, the Queen, a woman of prudence, assumed the reins of government on the death of her husband, and Judea was for about nine years wisely ruled by a woman. Alexandra made her eldest son, Hyrcanus, high priest at Jerusalem, he being at that time 33 years of age. Hyrcanus was a man of quiet temper and indolent habits, unfitted to make a struggle for his rights, and on the death of the queen, Aristobulus, his younger brother, wrested from him both the high priesthood and the kingdom, 70 BC. But Aristobulus wore not the crown in peace. Great disturbances arose in Judea, having their origin in the ambition of Antipater, an Edumian by birth but professing the Jewish religion. Having been brought up in the court of Alexander Janaeus and that of Alexander his successor, Antipater hoped through his favour with Hyrcanus, whom he naturally regarded as their heir, to rise into importance in the state. These hopes were disappointed by the dethronement of Hyrcanus. Henceforth the anxious efforts of the Edumian were directed to rousing the dethroned prince to make a vigorous struggle to regain his lost throne. Hyrcanus was neither active nor ambitious. He valued his own ease above the title of king of Judea, but at length being persuaded by Antipater that his life was in danger from his brother, that he had no choice but to reign or to perish, Hyrcanus engaged in the contest for power. The generality of the people declared for Hyrcanus, while many of the priesthood clung to the usurper, and a battle took place in which the forces of Aristobulus were defeated. An event occurred at this time which shows how far the Jewish people had fallen from the piety of their ancestors, how the crimes of their wicked rulers were emulated by those below them. There was at Jerusalem a man named Onias, so noted for his sanctity of life that it was believed by his countrymen that to his fervent prayers rain had been granted in a season of drought. Concluding that the saints' maledictions must equally prevail with his prayers, the superstitious followers of Hyrcanus brought Anais forth and urged him to curse Aristobulus and his friends, who were then besieged in the temple. Long the saint refused to listen to such evil entreaties, but at length, to quiet the importunity of the people, he stood up in the midst of them, Lifting up his hands towards heaven, the good man uttered this prayer. O Lord God, ruler of the universe, since those that are with us are thy people, and they that are besieged in the temple are thy priests, I pray that thou wouldest hear the prayers of neither of them against the other. Instead of being touched by the patriot's prayer, the furious people were so much enraged that, snatching up stones, they hurled them against the saint. Onias was actually stoned to death because he would not defile with curses the lips so often employed in prayer, nor invoke the Almighty's vengeance upon the misguided people whom he yet regarded as his brethren. The contest which raged in Judea produced that which is the frequent result of such intestine struggles, a third party being called in as umpire, that umpire taking advantage of the dissensions of the rivals to establish his own power over both. Such an umpire was found by the Asmonean brothers in the ambitious Republic of Rome. The dispute between Hyrcanus and Aristobulus was referred to the decision of Pompey, a celebrated Roman general. Both the princes stooped to appear in person to plead their respective causes before a stranger and a heathen. Vigorous intrigues and negotiations followed Aristobulus. 
perceiving at last that the decision of Pompey was not likely to be in his favour, abruptly withdrew to make preparations for war. His conduct towards the Roman general was marked by mingled deference and distrust. Fearful of offending one who would be so powerful either as an ally or a foe, he endeavoured by every means to induce Pompey to recognise his title to the crown. The blessing of heaven did not rest upon the efforts of this ambitious prince. Pompey thought himself mocked and deceived, and before the year was concluded he had put Aristobulus in fetters and had laid siege to Jerusalem. Ill fares the city that is divided in itself. Hyrcanus and many of the Jews, allowing the spirit of patriotism to be lost in the spirit of party, supplied the foreign foe with every necessary for carrying on the siege. For three months the city held out, when a breach being made large enough for an assault, the fierce soldiery rushed within even the wall which protected the temple. A savage massacre of the defenders followed, and none acted more cruelly herein than the Jews of the opposite faction. In this terrible scene of destruction, the priests who were in the temple at the time when it was carried by storm went on with the daily service, without being deterred by the horror of seeing their friends fall around them or the fear of sharing their fate. Many of these heroic priests were slain by the enemy's sword, and their blood mingled with that of the sacrifices which they were offering on the altar of God. 63 BC Pompey entered the temple as a conqueror, and not contenting himself with viewing the splendour of the outer courts, he violated the feelings of all pious Jews by intruding into the Holy of Holies. The sound of the heathen victor's tread echoed in that sacred place into which the high priest alone had been privileged to enter. But had it not been as much profaned when an Aristobulus or an Alexander presumed there to worship a holy god, while they there stained with the guilt of a brother's murder? Hyrcanus was restored to the office of high priest. He was also made prince of Judea. But the dignity of the title was lost with the independence of his unhappy country. Judea was no longer free. She was under tribute to the Roman conquerors. She now bowed to the yoke of that nation which was at length to crush her even to the dust. Aristobulus was carried to Rome, where with his two sons he was compelled to grace the triumph of Pompey. Bitter must have been the humiliation of the ambitious Asmonean prince when following the triumphal chariot of his heathen conqueror through the streets thronged with eager multitudes. In vain might he long that the earth would open before him to hide his disgrace from the curious gaze of unpitying eyes. They who exalt themselves shall be abased. Aristobulus long remained a prisoner in Rome, and when at length political changes in that city seemed to open to him a path to freedom and to power, his ambitious career was suddenly closed by poison, administered to him as he was returning to his country. 49 BC Hyrcanus bore the name of ruler in Jerusalem, but the real power lay in the hands of the ambitious Antipater, the Idumean who enjoyed great favour with the Romans. Phasael, his eldest son, was made governor of Jerusalem. Herod, his second son, governor of Galilee. The latter, who afterwards sat on the throne of Judea under the title of Herod the Great, was a man of singular energy and courage, as well as of political talent. He strengthened his influence with the Jews by marrying Mariam, the beautiful granddaughter of Hyrcanus, and thus allying himself 
to the royal family of the Asmoneans. In the year 40 BC, Antigonus, son of Aristobulus, assisted by the Parthians, made a desperate effort to win the regal power, an aspiring to which his father had lost first his freedom and then his life. Antipater the Idumean was dead, he also had perished by poison, and his son Herod was absent from Judea. When the Parthians marched upon Jerusalem, plundered the country round, seized upon the city and made Antigonus king. Hyrcanus and Phasael were delivered up in chains to the mercy of the conqueror. Phasael, knowing his death to be determined upon, in desperation dashed out his own brains against the walls of his dungeon. Antigonus spared the life of Hyrcanus, his dethroned uncle, but cut off his ears that he might be forever disqualified from being high priest as no one with a member imperfect was capable of holding the office. Herod, hearing of the dethronement of Hyrcanus and the death of his own brother Phasael, hastened to Rome to seek there for help from his powerful allies. Aided by them, he brought a large force into the field and besieged the new king in Jerusalem, 38 BC. It was not till the next year that the city was taken, as it was desperately defended by the Jews. At length the Romans entered on every side and filled all the streets with blood and slaughter, till Herod himself interceded for the people, exclaiming that the Romans would make him king only of a desert. Antigonus, seeing that all was lost, surrendered himself to the enemy. Herod did not consider himself secure in the kingdom which was bestowed upon him by his Roman allies, as long as one prince of the blood royal remained alive on the earth. With great difficulty he obtained from the Roman general a decree condemning Antigonus to death. The sentence was executed on the unhappy prince, and beneath the axe of the elector perished the last king of the male line of the Asmonean race. We have now followed the thread of the history of that race from its first glorious commencement to the period when, stained as it was with blood and darkened with crime, we trace by it only the miseries and wrongs of unfortunate princes in the realm once ruled by their fathers. We behold in that history the end of ambition. The descendants of the noble Mattathias were great until they aspired to be greater, and glorious until they ceased to seek God's glory rather than their own. Contemporaneous Events Catiline's Conspiracy at Rome, 66 BC Caesar's invasion of Britain, 55 BC, Battle of Pharsalia, 48 BC, Death of Caesar, 44 BC. End of chapter 11